1: Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I'm Cody Goodwin here, joined today by Brett Greenberg, our recruiting writer at Bama 247. Going to talk a little Alabama Ole Miss today on the show. Brett, how are you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, You know, good weekend of football. Uh, Alabama Ole Miss obviously went the way a lot of Alabama fans wanted. And just with the slate last night was just crazy between Ohio State and Notre Dame and just... Another good day of football. Uh, Winning in my fantasy league as of right now, a lot of things can change. But overall, good weekend. How about you, Cody? It's not been bad. It's
1: not been bad. Uh, We're recording this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, By the time this hits your podcast feed, probably either Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, But we're here to discuss um, Alabama's role in what was a pretty exciting weekend of college football, right? I mean, Brett, you hit it with Notre Dame, Ohio State. Um, you know, for those who stayed up late and watched Washington's offense Pac-12 after dark, that was fun to watch um, SEC action really kind of all over the South here. Um, and that obviously includes the Crimson Tide 2410 winners over Ole Miss uh, Lane Kiffin's snarky barbs were just that they were snarky barbs. I think he was maybe hoping for a little bit of a better effort from his offense, which through three games. One of the most impressive offenses on paper, at least in the country, right? They averaged more than 500 total yards per game. They were putting up more than 50 points a game. Alabama held them to 301 yards and 10 points en route to a seventh straight win, I believe that is, over Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin now 0-5 against his former boss, Nick Saban. I want to start here. Um, Brett, what was kind of your initial big picture minutia? Like, what was the biggest thing that stood out to you? I know you watched this game from home and you've been watching all the games from home. Um, but watching this game unfold on Saturday, what was kind of the biggest thing that stuck out to you?
0: Yeah, I think the single biggest thing is it's kind of multiple things. Honestly, it, you saw two different Alabama teams. I know you had a front row seat to be in the press box, but that first half, you know, you got a little bit of booze there and Brian Denny, it, you know, you get the first and goal from the one, you don't score. It was kind of lackadaisical. The first couple defensive drives you see on the TV, at least, Jackson Darts completing a pass. And that guy, the receiver, the tight end's running free, and it's almost 10 yards before you see an Alabama defender. And as an Alabama fan, you know, you're sitting there saying, oh, boy, we're coming out flat. But, you know, get to the second half, and Kevin Steele lets that defensive line go free. Dallas Turner shows up. You know, maybe some question marks there of, is he going to be that guy? He was – uh On Saturday, I think the defense played great. I think the offense did what Alabama fans expected it to do. You know, from the beginning, it was, you don't need to be a playmaker, just distribute the ball at the quarterback position, Jalen Milrow, and the offensive line. You know, first half, it was just, you know, I think they let up nine tackles for loss. Second half, zero. They got it together, you know, a little, some injuries there in the first half, but they got together. They ran the ball, Jason McLennan, another great game. I think that second half, uh, performance was what most Bama fans wanted and thought they were going to get the entire year. So a lot of good momentum, you know, back in the SEC play. I like to think of it as two different seasons. You know, you get into the SEC play and you start to go and hopefully, you know, this second half catapults them. You see it's back-to-back second halves of offensive line looking like it's supposed to do. And again, Jason McLennan running the rock uh, hard and ultimately came out with a win and the defense just looked spectacular all game.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely a tale of two halves, at least on the offensive side of the ball, right? Because they, you know, field goal on opening possession, then they punted, and then they got all the way down to, what, third and goal from the nine, Milrow had that pick. Um, But then they bounced right back with the next possession, uh, I know with the help from the defense and special teams on that block punt, um, but still kind of struggles, right? They had first and goal from the one, and they ended up losing 21 yards, kicking a 40-yard field goal, a little weird. Um, But then, yeah, whatever, whatever was said at half, whatever message Saban felt like he had to get across. Clearly it was heard because they came out second half field goal, touchdown, touchdown, turned a seven, six deficit into, um, ultimately the final score. Um, you nailed it. Defense I thought played really, really well all game, not just the second half. I know there was a little bit of worry, right? The first 12 plays, Ole Miss came out cooking, um, you know, hundred yards, I think in their first 12 plays, um, within those first 12 plays, five of them went for 10 plus yards. They hit a wide open tight end. They hit a wide open receiver, and it was just like okay, like Jackson Dart's probably going to have his way with this defense at least to start. But then they settled down a little bit. Um, you know, I think what 100 yards over their first 12 plays, only 200 yards over the next 50. Right. So you nailed it. Defense settled down. Pass rush was able to get home. Um, and it was really, I thought, a good overall game. I I I, I like the way you phrased it that this this was kind of the game that maybe Alabama fans were expecting earlier in the year. Um, you know, it seemed like fourth quarter of the Texas game through South Florida and even through the first half on Saturday, just kind of a weird funk, just kind yeah. of a weird lull. Like I, like the defense did fine all the way through there. You know, I know that Texas really kind of hung 21 points on them in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, but I think that was more Sark being Sark. I think just the team as a whole, just a little bit of a funk, especially offensively. I know that they were cycling through quarterbacks there too. Um, But yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was overall, it was, it was a really good performance. I think the, um, you know, obviously it wasn't a perfect performance. Um, you know, I think some people might even scoff at the thought that it was a really good performance, but you know, really, I mean, they were not that they were punched in the mouth, but they clearly tripped up quite a bit in the first half on Saturday. And then they came back in the second half and they were able to execute a little bit better and, and life was really good. Um, yeah, I think the, the the initial takeaway for me, and obviously this is what I wrote about, was the defense. I thought they played really well. I thought they've been, I think they've been playing really well, really all season. Um, you know, outside of probably, I would argue outside the fourth quarter against Texas. Um, here's a fun stat for you: Alabama's defense gave up four touchdowns against Texas. Um, they've given up, I believe, three touchdowns total, or maybe two touchdowns total against. Yeah, two touchdowns total against the other three opponents. Now, Texas is Texas. Um, and we've said previously on the show that that's it's a pretty good Texas team. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, as long as they avoid landmines, pretty sure they're probably going to end up in a position to get to the playoff. Right. So but like middle Tennessee State, um, South Florida. Now you've got Ole Miss. Um, it was like it was good. It was good. And I, I, I you can see on the field that I think, you know, the defense is probably going to be there week in and week out. There's other tests coming down the pike with, you know, A&M. Top five offense in the SEC, LSU top five offense in the in the SEC, Tennessee still coming to, um, you know, so there are more tests to be had. But this this I thought was another test against this Ole Miss offense, um, you know, and they passed. I thought they passed with flying colors, the defense. We could talk about the offense a little bit more, but I, the defense, I thought the performance from them, you know, even after getting punched in the mouth early, um, you know, I thought they settled in and played a really, really good game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at it, I think my number's right. I think it's over the last eight quarters, so two games that US, USF and Ole Miss game have go up 13 total points, I believe is right, and that's two field goals and a touchdown. I think they're coming together. Again, I, I thought they have been good all year, but that second half especially or that game against Ole Miss was kind of that old-school Alabama. You know, you see it starts with delivering two huge hits on kickoff returns, questionable, you know targeting call there but I think if you're an Alabama fan you'll take it it just kind of reminds you of a couple years ago when maybe the Alabama offense wasn't that good but you knew your defense was going to be a top defense was going to settle in was going to give the quarterback problems all game I think you know one thing that interests me too is that I, I know we talked about it but Dallas Turner really came to play Chris Braswell came to play but interesting you know Alabama, I think, is searching for that interior defensive guy. I think they still are. They have for, you know, a couple years to get that pressure. Tim Keenan, I thought it was great all game. Uh, he's flashed at some points. And then I tweeted about it during the game. But Terry Arnold, I, as a defense, is getting talked about. But I don't know if he's getting talked about enough how great he has been this entire year. He's been making plays all over Um, been kind of locked down and to have you know Kool-Aid McKintree on one side where most quarterbacks and most offense coordinators aren't looking to him to have Taron Arnold playing the way he is is a huge huge plus you know I think that injury to injury to Deontay Lawson is a big deal you know he's the kind of the quarterback of that defense but it gives some other guys like Jihad Campbell who played great some more experience so overall I think again the defense I think has been A bright spot and it truly was. And that was some old school Alabama football. And a lot of fans are happy with that.
1: Yeah, a lot of bully ball in the second half. Um, I mean, defensively, I thought they, you know, a lot of bully ball really after Ole Miss's first two drives. I thought they kind of settled in after after that. And, you know, I mean, I you can kind of read the stats, right? First two drives, Ole Miss. I know they punted and then they scored a touchdown, but that that was the hundred yards on the first 12 plays. The next three drives after that, right? Three and out punt, three and out punt, three and out punt, right? Like, I don't remember the last time a Lane Kiffin coached team went three and out punt, three consecutive drives. And, you know, Alabama made it look pretty seamless when they did that, right? And they got a little bit of help too, right? Ole Miss was able to charge downfield near the end of the first half and ended up missing a field goal. That was pretty big. Um, You know, so Ole Miss did not help themselves, but, uh, you know, Alabama was able to capitalize on a lot of things. To your point on the defense, um, I'm glad you brought up uh, Terry and Arnold um, you know when you got a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry on the other side of the field you're gonna get a lot of action as the other cornerback that's just kind of the way it goes and I, I agree like I think the last few weeks especially and Saturday specifically Terry and Alder has been playing very very well led the team in tackles Um, it's not always a good thing if your cornerback leads the team in tackles but like Ole Miss was trying to do a lot of, you know, I, they started the game and you could see them still trying to do it midway through the game, a lot of end around stuff, you know, and, and teams do that right to keep the edge defenders guessing a little bit, right. To give them that split second of extra thought, right. Cause edge defenders, you know, at Alabama, we love seeing the pass rushers, right. But like that end around, like they're also responsible for setting the edge. So teams run that end around to like make them think for an extra split second. So a guy like Jackson Dart can have an extra split second to distribute the ball. Um, well, I, what teams probably don't account for is that, you know, Ole Miss can send their speedy guy across the field, but then they got to deal with Terry and Arnold, who's an inf- amazing open field tackler. And we saw a few of those. Um, he obviously had the interception, had a couple of pass breakups. Yeah, he's been playing really, really good. Um, I'm glad you mentioned him because I agree. I, I don't know that we're talking enough about just the energy that he's been playing with. And then, I, you know, one last note on the defense before we move forward, too. We're seeing some depth starting to come along at certain yeah. positions. You mentioned Deontay Lawson going down. Um, you know, he played a handful of possessions in the game, ended up leaving midway through the second quarter. So Jihad Campbell comes in second on the team in tackles with seven. Um, they also are mixing in Kendrick Blackshire, who doesn't get a ton of snaps, but he tends to take advantage of the snaps that he gets. He had three tackles, um, including a tackle for loss, also had a quarterback hit. Tresman Marshall, also one of those guys that's man in the middle. He had three tackles. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of good depth. At least on Saturday in the middle of the defense. And then at defensive line, you mentioned interior. Um, you know, Tim Keenan, three tackles, um, also had three quarterback hits. They're able to get they're they're starting to develop a little bit of a defensive line rotation, or at least you can kind of see who the key yeah. guys are there, right? Tim Smith, a boygby, Keenan, uh, Damon Payne Jr. got some snaps in. Jaheem Otis is back after missing last week. Um, you know, you're starting to see these guys get a lot more snaps and they're starting to develop the rotation a little bit. Now that you've kind of got those names out there, it's time to start seeing them produce a lot. And they were able to do that um, on Saturday. But, you know, they're starting to put some pieces of the puzzle. You know, the defense has been great. Um, With some of these depth pieces really starting to reveal themselves, um, I feel like they're still going to get better. Like there's still space for them to grow a little bit, which is maybe a scary thought for the rest of the SEC. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, spot on. And, you know, I mentioned Terry Arnold. I also want to mention Malachi Moore. I think he's been playing great. You know, when he first came in as a freshman, sophomore, he was a very, very good player. Maybe the last year or two didn't play as much, but he's been very good. He's just extreme quickness, sideline to sideline. They run those jet sweeps, try to get to the corner. He's always there making a play. And I think, you know, a guy that we've talked about at nauseum is Caleb Downs. He's just getting more and more comfortable. You know, obviously you got... Thump pretty hard in the USF game, maybe welcome to college football moment, maybe that was versus Texas, but he's continuing to get better. I think the defensive second, I think the secondary continues to get better. And yeah, again, I think they're molding together. I think uh, Freddie Roach and Kevin Steele is seeing who we can put in in certain situations to maybe give Dallas Turner a break or Braswell a break, whatever it may be. But yeah, I think they're Rotations are starting to come into fold, and this defense is, I think, is only going to get better. I think just the biggest question mark is, again, you know, obviously the offense, because the offense get on the fields, sustain drives, and keep their defense off the field so they can get rest. You know, I think you saw that, you see that all the time. Defenses can only be so good if you're on the field for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or so. Be so again, you know, per usual, what we've talked about, it kind of goes to the offense. So always falls into the offensive hands.
1: A little bit, yeah. Uh, one caveat when it comes to the de- defensive performance, I know Ole Miss doesn't have all of their superstars um, there. You know, They didn't have the full complement of weapons, right? Trey Harris, who had, I believe, four touchdowns in the first game. It was against Mercer, but still anytime you score four touchdowns, pretty impressive. Um, you know, He was not in the box score. Didn't really see him out there at all on Saturday. Um, Quinshawn Judkins, their star running back, um, he's been banged up. Um, I know they were able to get uh, Caden Pricecorn, their tight end. He was the transfer from Memphis. He actually had that big twenty-one yard catch and run early in the game, um, you know. And then Zachary Franklin's another transfer. I know they were excited about those guys. Only had two catches, um, you know. So when you don't have your full complement of weapons, it makes a tough task even harder. Um, but hey, credit to Alabama for taking advantage of you know maybe a slightly undermanned Ole Miss offense. But hey, you know you you can only play who's in front of you, and and the Crimson Tide did a good job. Um, those were initial impressions. Uh, Brett, watching from home, what was uh, one positive thing that you saw from the way Alabama played? I know we've talked a lot about the defense, um, the opportunistic offense, but give me give me one thing that you really liked um, from watching the game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and like you said, we talked about defense, so I'll go offense here. I think I just really liked seeing Jace McClellan continue to run the ball hard. He's taking care of the football. When the holes are open, he can make plays. The offensive line, you know, obviously was – been a question mark after all the talk of the all off season and continuing to talk that they kind of molded together in the second half, had some injuries, like I said. But, you know, I think they're trying to figure out exactly what the best combination is. I know Nick Saban talked about it, playing two different left tackles, trying to figure out exactly what they want to do there. Um, But, yeah, I, I think the one huge bright spot, just given how the season's going, is that second half offense. And, yeah, Milrow, you know, poor decision on that touchdown or on that interception. Not sure exactly what he was looking at there, but he made two great throws to uh, Jalen Hale um, with that tough uh, hit and got down. And Jalen Hale, I think, has been a bright spot. I think he's going to be really good for this offense and Crimson Tide for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I Milrow, I thought, you know, interception aside, um, I like the way that Alabama is starting to use him a little bit more. So I guess subtle shout out there to Tommy Reese. I know people feel some type of way about his play calling through the first few games of the season, but – Milrow went 17 to 21, 225 yards and a touchdown. Plus the pick um, also had, you know, you adjust for sacks about 40 or so yards rushing. And right away, early in the game, um, designed runs, right? Like I know yep. the first run he had third and two, you know, he kind of, he was scanning downfield real quick, tucked it and ran for 20 yards. But then a couple plays later, um, design run for 18, you know, and Alabama, we'll talk about this in a minute. Just, you know, struggled to run the ball a little bit yesterday, Ole Miss's front seven, um, coached by former defensive coordinator P. Golding. Um, you know, pretty tough defensive front against Alabama. I think part of that could also be Alabama's offensive line still just trying to figure some things out. Um, but Milrow, I thought, played very well. Um, you mentioned Jace McClellan, 105 rushing yards, back-to-back weeks now. Alabama's had a 100-yard rusher. Um, and the offensive line, I know that they've struggled. They still struggled, right? They, You know, four sacks allowed against Ole Miss on Saturday. Um, not all of them were the offensive line's fault. But, you know, I think kind of quietly offensive line took a step forward. I don't know if it was because, you know, Saban was swapping Elijah Pritchett for Caden Proctor at left tackle, which he did for a couple of series. Um, You know, Terrence Ferguson, before he left with an injury, he subbed in at right guard. Um, You know, he got the start at left guard against South Florida because Book was out. Book came back, played really well. Um, But Ferg you know, playing, uh, in place of Darian Dow for a couple of series, it was nice to kind of see that versatility a little bit. Um, you know, here's, here's some fun numbers that I found this morning. Um, only nine pressures allowed against Ole Miss. So that's, that's a bonus. They had given with, up double
0: digit pressures through
1: profile. I believe
0: not to cut you up, but I believe that was all first half. I believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So nine pressures total given up against Ole Miss, um, after giving up double digits each of the first three weeks. So that's good. Um, the four sacks, all four of them, again, not all of those are the offensive lines fault. Like Milrow's got to get rid of the ball. Milrose has got to throw the ball away. Don't put yourself in situations like that. But you mentioned, you know, four sacks, nine tackles for loss for Ole Miss, all of that in the first half, none of that in the second half, no sacks allowed. They played well. They were able to run the ball really well. Um, In the second half, not so much the first half, but like offensive line, I thought there was was a good step taken there. Like I thought that was, I thought it was good. It's not, they're not where they need to be. They're not where they talked about being, they're not even close, but it was better than what it's been the last few weeks. Um, And you wonder now that they get into SEC play, if they can settle into a groove a little bit and maybe take some steps forward because that's, you know, and I've said this on previous shows here before um, the offensive line is going to raise the floor of the offense. You know, I think having Milrow back there, a complement of weapons like there's there's a pretty good size ceiling there with milrose running ability he's obviously shown he's got a strong arm um the way they use the tight ends the way the running backs play and just the depth that they've got there and at receiver um there, there's a lot of really good pieces here none of it will matter if the offensive line doesn't block in the second half on saturday they blocked very well and it showed right three consecutive scoring drives they were able to turn you know, they were able to write the ship and and figure it out against uh, an all miss defense that's they're going to face tougher defenses, but that Ole Miss defense is, it's it's a Pete Golding defense. They put pressure on you. They, you know, they try to get you on your heels. They try to come at you and attack you. And Alabama handled it fairly well in the second half, I thought. And I think that starts with the offensive line, which is why we were able to see all the good things that we saw.
0: Yeah. You hit on it there. You know, you, you have the four sacks, maybe not all the offensive line fall. I think, like you said, design runs early in the game. I think you've seen a Maturation from Jalen Milro as far as when, you know, he had a couple when the pocket breaks down. Maybe he needs to throw the ball away. I know he took a couple runs just out of bounds, minus two yards, but I think a couple times too, which you didn't see versus Texas when in Texas, when the pocket breaks down, he was still looking downfield like, no, man, use your legs. You're a running quarterback. Yes, you can throw the ball downfield. We saw it with Burton. We saw it with Hale. We've seen it a couple times this year. But when that pocket breaks down, you got open space like he did in the first uh, quarter. Go run the ball, man. Go run the ball. Take care of the ball. And I think we're seeing that more and more. And I think you're seeing him mature. I know it's small sample size. He still hasn't played a large amount of football, quite frankly. But I think he's getting smarter and smarter and knowing his athletic ability. Because when he can tuck it and run and it's open, it's almost a first down 15-yard, 20-yard gain. Pretty much automatic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, set the internal clock in your head so that when you feel that pressure or when, you know, one, two, three, now's the time to probably go and look for a running lane. Um, and that, like you mentioned, that that's something that's probably going to come with more experience, um, you know, which now that he's gaining more of, you, I, I agree with you. I think you can see the confidence a little bit. You can see him start to play with a little bit more flair. And um, I believe that that's going to be a good thing that's going to serve Alabama moving forward. I think one one of the good things that I saw, one really positive thing that I saw um, and I know we just got done raving about the defense, but like I really appreciated like small incremental growth from the defense. And so here's what I mean by that: against South Florida, you know they won seventeen to three. Whatever. Um, South Florida's quarterback Byron Brown. He was able to escape the pocket from time to time, and I think when you adjust for sacks, he had over 100 rushing yards. Like, if they're able to find a way to contain him in the pocket, I'm not sure that South Florida actually sniffs 100 total yards of offense. But because he's able to break out of the pocket, he had some pretty big runs. That was something that Saban talked about that was frustrated after that game. That was something that the D lineman talked about, like, Yo, we, we got to be a little bit more gap sound. We got to find a way to contain quarterbacks who can be mobile like that. So then here comes Ole Miss and Jackson Dart, who Jackson Dart the week before, like he's a fantastic passer, right? He ended he came into Saturday um, six, number six nationally in quarterback rating. Seven touchdowns to one pick. Like he's he's a great player. The one thing that maybe worried me a little bit was that against Georgia Tech, again, not a great defense, but he rushed for 100 yards. Like he yeah. was kind of the offense. The Ole Miss offense flowed through him that game, um, regardless of what other weapons were on the field. So I'm thinking, okay, how are they going to handle him? Here's how they handled him, right? Like, he rushed for, you know, when you adjust for sacks. Like, I don't know that he rushed for hardly anything, right? Without adjusting for sacks, six total yards. When you adjust for sacks, he rushed for less than 40. On top of that, 20 for 35 passing, 244 and a pick. After that 10-yard touchdown run at the end of their second drive, he didn't do anything. Like, that was – you know, so that to me is like, one, not only is this defense good, but two, they can very quickly learn from their mistakes. Right. And they even said one of the keys of this game was kind of keeping him in the pocket, trusting the secondary behind him. And basically like beat us with your arm. We're not going to let you beat us with their legs. And there were a couple of times where he was he got out of the pocket and ran a little bit, or the touchdown run was wonderfully executed. Like he just, you know, the, the red sea opened up and he just walked into the end zone. Um, but by and large, you know, if he's escaping the pocket, he's getting chased by two dudes and the secondary's doing their job on the back end. There was a lot of pressures, I thought, in the first half um, and even early in the second half where, you know, coverage pressures, coverage sacks. The secondary did their job blanketing the receivers and the pass rush was able to get home. And then you mentioned it, Kevin Steele kind of going back to that old school bully ball, dialing up blitzes in the second half when they're getting in the second and third and long to just put that pressure on them, you know, continually. Um, but I just thought like the lessons that they learned from, You know, a South Florida team that's again, not, not a great South Florida team. They're knee deep in a rebuild, but that quarterback showed a few things that it's like, okay, are these things that we have to worry about moving forward? Um, Alabama's defense showed like, no, we, we can learn from our lessons. We can learn from them on a week to week basis. Um, And that's a good thing moving forward because that that Jackson Dart's not the last mobile quarterback who can also throw the ball really well that they're going to see this season. Um, You know, so that's, you know, a lesson that they can lean on when they get ready for say, I don't know, Tennessee and LSU, right. With Joe Milton and Jaden Daniels. Like that's, that's immediately what's going through my head. Cause if you can't handle Jackson Dart doing that, those guys are going to give you all kinds of problems. So I thought it was really good for the defensive front seven, um to really kind of take care of that business and show that they can learn from week to week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think historically, you know, in the Nick Saban era, anytime a team is going to give him trouble or give him a loss, it's typically a running quarterback. And, you know, Nick Saban talked about it at halftime when Dart, you know, the Red Sea split, like you said, and he just went in, he, he, he definitely had some words to say in in the uh, time. Yeah. Cause you know, he <laughs> said, he said uh, we were nowhere close. We, we talked about it and, So, like you said, to adjust and learn from your mistake. And that opened the the middle of the field wasn't open the rest of the game. Um, So, obviously, something got through to those guys. And that's a combination of Nick Saban, that's a combination of the veteran guys on the line, and a combination of Kevin Steele dialing up these blitzes and continuing to put up pressure. You know, at the end of the game, he just blitz, 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 basically. And that's what Alabama fans love to see.
2: Selling a little or a lot? to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: Okay, so that, that was the positive. What was one thing that you saw from this game? Um maybe frustrated you had you worried a little bit like what's one thing that you kind of want to see them improve on moving forward um from the Ole Miss game
0: yeah I think it's you know it's been talked about a lot it's probably low hanging fruit here but kind of just the red zone offense you know we we like you said first and goal from the one and then you kick a 40-yard field goal not sure truthfully why Jalen Milrose even in shotgun there Um, you still got to snap the ball and McLaughlin's had issues with that all season. I think he'll, he'll be fine, but you know, maybe some of the play calling right when you get down in the red zone, just, you know, trust your offense. And I know it's tough right now with the way they're playing, but they're playing better, you know, trust the offensive line, trust Jason McClellan or trust Jalen Milrow. You know, obviously he's still learning how to get through his reads and progressions and make a good pass and a smart pass in the red zone, but just, you know, once you're in the red zone, run the ball, I I think more or less. And that's just kind of how I am as a fan stepping away and all of college football as well. Um, but I think that's maybe the one negative, the one thing that maybe was a head scratcher in particular is just, you know, maybe run the ball there. Um, but yeah, overall, I don't think, you know, there wasn't that many mistakes Yeah, Like I said, it was the bat, that, very curious decision on the throw. I'm not sure what Jalen Miller was seeing there on the interception, but then you saw it in the second and third quarters. He went from right to left scanned the field or left to right multiple times and hit, you know, Roydell Williams or Jason McClellan in the flat. So you're seeing, again, you're seeing that maturation. Jermaine Burton, I think has been great all season for Alabama. He came in last year, a lot of expectations coming from Georgia, maybe didn't fit decks ex- or rise to the expectations. Alabama fans, last year but he's been a downhill threat that ball he caught I thought was just so impressive another great throw by Milrow but for Bird to find the ball turn his body catch the ball it was just great Jalen Hale Hale you know former five star has been great I think he's going to be very good and what I saw too and I didn't exactly look this up but CJ Dupree I think that was probably maybe his first reception of the year um, getting him involved Uh, Robbie Oots catching balls downfield. I think Tommy Reese is getting more comfortable in this offense as well because, you know, we talked about it and people have talked about it. When you come to Alabama, you don't bring your offense. You adjust to Nick Saban's offense. I know Nick Saban's a defensive guy, but I think just like Jalen Milrow needs to get more experience and continue to mature, I think Tommy Reese does too. He's learning every game what they need to do to be successful. And he's seen that, you know, in the last two second halves of, the games and maybe he's getting a little cute with running shotgun on first and goal on on the one yard line. But I think he's learning. I think the offenses continue to uh improve, and it's just all about putting Jalen Milrow in positions to succeed. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I agree
1: with you there. The, to your point on you know red zone offense, they they scored so they you know five trips to the red zone scored four times. Um, the op, the you know the lat, the fifth one was the pick. Um, but four of those were three, three of the four scores were field goals, right? Like, so that's not what you want, especially when one of them is like, you know, first and goal from the one, um, you know, and a lot of us in the press box were kind of chuckling because, you know, later in the game, when they had that third and short, Oh no, wait, first and 10 issue. Um, they just ran a QB sneak and gained two yards. And it's like, wow, what a novel concept, right? (laughs) You got first and goal on the one man, like you got a 225 pound quarterback who, you know, is very clearly emphasizing protecting the ball, like load up behind the
0: big uglies and just push through, right? Like and, that's and just put those, put those two tight ends set in that you always run and run right behind them.
1: Right. Yeah. Like you don't need to be in shotgun on first and goal from the one. Like you just, you don't, um, would I have liked to see that play play out normally without a bad snap, just to kind of see what they got. Yes, absolutely. But it don't make it complicated. You know, yep. I agree with you there. Um, I think the one of the one things that really kind of worried me a little bit or or has me, you know, frustrated as they move forward, you know, something that they really need to fix. Um, you know, I gonna come back to the offensive line, gave them their props for pass protecting better this game. Um, but these guys gotta figure out how to run block now. Um, not you know, they they had come in. Oh, okay, good. Not great. When it came to run blocking, you know, and a lot of that is you're playing middle Tennessee state you're playing South Florida, um, you know, against Texas, they had virtually no rushing success whatsoever, at least not the way that you wanted, And definitely not the way that they had talked about it, right. Wanting to make people quit and physically dominate the opponents. Um, don't know that we've seen that part of it yet, especially when it comes to the run game. So Jace McClellan has a great game. 17 attempts, 105 yards. When you remove his rushing totals, Alabama rushed when you adjust for sacks, 55 yards on 24 attempts. Like, that's just not good, right? Like, and especially in a lot of those short yardage situations, um, when, you know, those power rushing opportunities, when you just, you know, my my five guys are bigger and stronger than your five guys. Not a lot of success in those areas. Um, I think there are maybe ways to work around it or at least find ways to scheme strength in that area right. Like, cause you got a mobile quarterback, like, you know, if it's third and short, get him on a run or on a rollout or something like that. Like cause as soon as he puts his foot in the ground, he's good. Like you said, he's going to gain five, six, seven yards every time, find a way to put him in positions like that, or, you know, give him an out when he's in a position and the defense keys on him. Cause you know, defenses are going to start doing that. The more that these design runs start to creep up in the game plan. Um, you know, I just, I guess I, I want to see the offensive line, put it all together in one game just to one prove that they can and two, use it as a stepping stone toward what they want to be. I'm not, you know, they've been, they were bad through the first three weeks. They were especially bad against Texas who again, very good and South Florida, which was reason for concern. I thought they played better in this game. I think they need to like, there's just, you got to, if we're going to continue to take baby steps, um, I guess Alabama's a little lucky that they got Mississippi State next, you know, not the not the biggest, baddest bullies on the SEC block, right? So there's hopefully more incremental steps that they can take up, but it's still SEC play, right? It's on the road, um, so how do they handle that, um, you know? But I just I thought that I I want to see them do a little bit more. I want to see them take the, those steps forward. We saw them take step forwards in pass protection. I want to see them continue to take steps forward when it comes to run blocking, um, you know, and and maybe. Maybe next week is the week where they'll take those steps. You know, one of the many things we're going to ask Saban this week is just, you know, evaluation about the O-line play since he got a lot of guys to get snaps. And, you know, what does that mean for shuffling potentially the offensive line moving forward? But I wanted to see them run block better. That was something that even as they struggled with the sacks that I thought they did okay at. um, And they just they weren't very good against Ole Miss, um, which was kind of disappointing and just put all game together, guys. Like, just put one full game together. That's yeah. all I
0: want from him. Yeah, I think one, one more thing, if I had to, you know, nitpick, too, is something that you haven't seen in Nick Saban's Alabama offense pretty much ever, maybe last year and this year for certain, the pre-snap penalties, just kind of head scratchers there, not lining up, too many men in the backfield, uh, you know, illegal formation, illegal shift. Those are just I, – I, those are something that Nick Saban gets – extremely upset about. And it's kind of been consistent up and since last year as well. So that's something too, that maybe concerns you. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of uncharacteristic.
1: A lot of, a lot of weird mistakes, you know, and that was kind of, you know, I I wrote something, you know, on Sunday morning. So today as we're recording, um, yesterday, if you're listening to it on Monday, just, even with an encouraging win, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. A lot of silly mistakes still, you know, like the Milrose interception, you know, and Saban kind of explained that one, um, you know, the defense played like, you know, drop zone where they kind of showed pressure and then they dropped a guy and um, they played man behind him. So that guy was just kind of hovering there and, and Milrose just didn't read it properly. Right. So I guess shout out to old Miss's defense, but you got to be able to read that a little bit better. Um, Milrose took some dumb snaps. You mentioned the pre-snap stuff. Um, whether it's penalties or Seth McLaughlin, just poor snaps, right. It was low snaps against Texas. It was a high snap above the count. You know, he, ha- I mean, he had another one against middle Tennessee, but I'm not sure people remember it because Milro turned it into a touchdown, right, um, right. you know, just like goofy things like that. Like even Will Reichert, who's, you know, it, he's been perfect, you know, quite literally seven for seven on field goals. He sent two kickoffs out of bounds. Like what are you doing, man? Um, just a lot of little things, right. You know, and then the whole gaff that, you know, third and short, oh, no wait, first and 10 situation, like just little things, even in a feel good, encouraging win that, you know, you want to see them iron that out because, um, you know, it was a great performance against Ole Miss. Um, you know, I, there, I don't know if they continue to make mistakes like that against better teams they may not be able to get away with it. Right. Right. So like, that's, you know, again, we say, I feel like we say this on every show, but like when you're Alabama and your standard is competing for national championships, these little things matter. So we're going to bring them up every single time. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. It's just, that stuff just didn't happen up until last year. It just simply didn't happen. So I think Alabama fans are just not prone to that. And that infuriates them. And um, trust me, it infuriates Nick Saban even more. It does than you. Yeah. Um, wanted to ask you, obviously you
1: cover recruiting for us at Bama two, four, seven. Um, you always have a very thorough and in-depth running list of all the recruits that are, you know, in Tuscaloosa for home games. You keep tabs with a lot of guys, um, you know, as Alabama navigates their season. I'm curious, I know you're still reaching out to some guys, hoping to hear back from a few more, um, and you'll get stories on them just about their visits and whatnot. But what was, what are kind of the early returns? What are you hearing from some of the recruits after, Um, you know, Alabama was able to bounce back the way they did and beat Ole Miss, you know, either those who were watching or maybe even those who were at Bryant-Denny Stadium.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the in-depth breakdown. I want to preface with this. I talked about it in the story as well. It wasn't as nearly as a star-studded group as it was versus Texas. So I know some people saw the list and, you know, why aren't we having anybody? Um, there's going to be a star-studded group for Tennessee and LSU. I, I wouldn't worry about that. Some of these kids already came to Texas, and then they're going somewhere else. But, yeah, I, you know, I reached out to a bunch of commits and recruits, and they were very encouraged. I know most of those guys were in the stadium, but most watched from home. And to have the same view I have, very encouraging. A lot of them, you know, getting back to Alabama football. O-line looks good. This is all, you know, second half, of course. But, you know, defense looks good, you know. But Alabama, you know, they had Julian Sane in town for his official visit. He's going to be, you know, everybody talks about him now like he's won the Heisman. Um, (laughs) I don't like to put any expectations on a kid like that. But he was Yeah, no pressure, kid. (laughs) He was in town for his official visit. Caleb Odom returned. Peyton Woodyard came. You know, that's two or three guys from California. Peyton Woodyard and his family all came over. That was their first game day visit. His parents grew up Alabama fans. That was their first Cane Bay visit. Talked to his father a little bit today. He kind of just raved about it. Plan on talking to him a little bit more uh, tonight or tomorrow. That'll be up on Bama 247 as well. All these uh, recaps and reports. Um, As far as the targets goes, maybe some younger guys, maybe not as highly rated 2025, 2026 guys. But there was, you know, obviously Daniel Hill who, Anybody who's been following Alabama recruitants had heard his name, seen his name in writing seemingly 100 times the last couple months. Four-star running back out of Meridian, Mississippi. That was his second game he's been back. Um, he'll, he will visit Tennessee for the South Carolina game this weekend. Um, we talked about it previously, but he was supposed to commit August 23rd. Many people in the industry thought that, you know, that was South Carolina, but the delay has boded well for Alabama. You know he's his father's talked with two four seven multiple times. It's close to home. They love Alabama. They've been there probably fifteen times since the beginning of summer. They can, they can be tour guides for upcoming freshmen these days. I mean, they absolutely love it. Another big guy is twenty twenty five five star offensive lineman was Micah Debose, who's a UGA commit. Um, another in state guy out of Mobile, Alabama. That that was also his second time spoke with him before the visit. Planning to speak with him after as well. He was saying he just loves you know, Coach Wolford, any offensive line guy loves Coach Wolford. I, I, he they're always brought up. Wolford and Roach are always brought up with their personalities and their way to relate to people and their parents and stuff like that. But yeah, a guy, Micah Debose. I, I don't want to label anybody, but you know, maybe a flip watch early flip watch, you know, he, Mm. you know, second time at Alabama loves Alabama. Um, Talking to his coach, he kind of feels the same way. Hasn't been back to Athens since his commitment didn't – you know, he could be – I'm sure he'll be back in Athens, but he didn't give me a date. I don't know if he's even looked beyond that far. Um, I think a lot of these 2025 guys are hearing from the committed guys and Ryan Williams and Jamie French and Dontro Glover and Anthony Rogers and Mason Short. They're trying to build up that class, and I know it's only six guys right now with the addition of Antonio Coleman last week, but that's a very – Highly talented class. They're a very active class. Ryan Williams and Jamie French are in on everybody's recruitment. George McIntyre, who was at LSU over the weekend, he was in Texas. He was at the Texas game, I'm sure he'll return. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the main thoughts were that looked like Alabama football. I don't, and again, you know, fans, some fans will say, oh, we lost to Texas, we're gonna lose every recruit. That's not the case. I you lose. <laughs> Six games, maybe that's the case, but losses happen. They've told me that too. It, it happens. Everybody that I talked to, Bama's still Bama. Nick Saban's still Nick Saban. They're going to be fine. They're going to right the ship. I know there was a couple guys at the Tampa or in Tampa for the USF game. Joseph Inoto, Jameer Grimsley, two Florida guys. They were in person. Got to see the coaches. And the 24 class continues to get stronger and stronger. Um, they're going to add a couple more guys. We're still a couple minutes, a couple months away from early signing day. I think there'll be some flips. I think there'll be some surprises. But yeah, you know, complete coverage uh, per usual on Bama 247. Kind of getting as many write-ups as I can. Alabama extended a lot of offers this weekend to 2025 defensive linemen. One guy I was just talking to was telling me he grew up an Alabama fan. His Little League football team was called the Alabama Crimson Tide. And growing up an Alabama fan, watching Alabama, and then sitting across from Nick Saban getting an offer, it's a pretty emotional afternoon for you, especially hit with it being his first ever visit. Um, but Yeah. I, I think the general census Alabama is going to be fine. And I, I don't think there's anything really to worry about. Um, most of these guys I've talked to are 100% locked in. Again, anything can change. You guys are 16, 17 years old. You throw an NIL. Um, I know Jeremiah Beeman for one was at Colorado two weeks or last weekend um, plans to take official visit there. I don't, necessarily think that's anything to worry about i think i know he said to people he's remains 100 percent locked in um and i try to tell people on the boards as well if i could take an official visits colorado i'm gonna do it and i'm sure you would too cody i uh, and yeah. my friends used to, used to talk about when we were little hey who what five official visits would you go to and when i was you know younger colorado was not brought up colorado would probably be one of my main ones right now so overall every you <laughs> know again general census Alabama's in a good spot and I'll continue to provide coverage and the best I can um over on bama 247 and then as well you know basketball becoming you know ever since natos took over basketball has become equally as I don't, I don't know about equally as big but he continues to bring in highly ranked official visitors he just had 2024 five star boogie flawn uh, on campus for official visit he's actually got there friday morning he'll be there the rest of the night plan on speaking to him as well. So yeah, just stay tuned to Bama two four seven for all the, all the recruiting and more that our great team does every day. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think
1: what the biggest takeaways I had from that was that Alabama had a, a Mississippi native in to watch the Alabama Ole Miss game, and they also had a kid who's currently committed to Georgia come back to Tuscaloosa for the second time. Correct. Okay, I just, I just, yes, I, sounds yes, like sir. when you say Alabama's in a good place, it sounds like they're in a very good place. Um, yeah, I,
0: I think they're fine. I think uh, I've said it a hundred times, and I think Nick Saban knows what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, he's, I think uh, so.
1: I would, yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, you know one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, and we've mentioned him kind of a couple times here. Um, you know, as you're talking to some of these recruits, and you know, Alabama's navigating their season. I mean, how often do conversations come up with guys like Caleb Downs, for example, right? True freshman. I know he's a little bit of a different true freshman, but five tackles, had a pass breakup, thought he played really well on Saturday. And then Jalen Hale. Uh, two catches 63 yards including a 33 yard touchdown reception where he you know rose above two dbs I mean that's a guy that's gotten a lot more snaps over the last few weeks Um, you know didn't play against Texas but got some snaps against South Florida played about 20 snaps he he's kind of figuring out a little bit of a role there or climbing the ladder a little bit in that deep receiver room Um, you know are you talking to some of these recruits about the fact that you know not only are true freshmen getting opportunities at Alabama but you know if you're recruiting you, they, they think that you can take advantage of these opportunities similar to like Downs and Jalen Hale and even Caden Proctor, who I thought played better on Saturday. Like, I mean, that's got that's got to be pretty cool for those guys to see up close. Right. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. And, you know, just like you or myself are in that position, you want to play immediately. And every kid you talk to definitely, you know, carries that same manner. But again, I think Alabama and this goes back to the guys that they recruit, the coach staff they recruit. You, you know, a couple years ago, the narrative is you're not going to play as a freshman, but we've seen it more and more. Like you said, Caleb Downs, Jalen Hill, Caden Proctor, and it's seen it. It's been on the football field. But a lot of these guys, too, want to come to Alabama because they know they can be developed. They know they can get to the league. It's kind of funny how many guys I talk to that know that will bring up, you know, $2 billion in NFL contracts. 74 (laughs) active players like they're doing they're doing their homework too and of course again you want to get. I was gonna say I wonder what the message is from the Alabama coaches (laughs) it's in every every pamphlet every slideshow every text message you know uh voicemail everything but yeah you know these guys know that they can come they can get developed uh do what they need to do play against the best in practice every single day iron sharpens iron and yeah like like you hit a spot on seeing these guys play and be productive as a freshman is another great thing for Alabama recruiting and 100%. you know, I was just looking today. I was looking at the Dolphins' schedules because you know they put up seventy points this afternoon, mm-hmm. which was Sunday. Uh, we're recording on Sunday, and I was it's pretty looking good. To, <laughs> starting October fifteenth, the next three weeks, you have two versus Bryce, two versus Mac, two versus Jalen. So that's a little bit more recruiting material for you there for for a team that can't develop quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> you know,
1: put that on a poster and hang it hang it in the it, football facility. It may be up there already. I I don't doubt that. Um, <laughs> good time t- for uh, Alabama football recruiting following a 24-10 to win for the Crimson Tide overall miss. Alabama now 3-1 and overall, 1-0 against SEC opponents. Next up, Mississippi State. We're going to have plenty of coverage of that game coming up later this week on Bama 247. As always, Brett will keep you up to date on everything Alabama recruiting, like he mentioned basketball and football a lot of visits coming up over the next few weeks brett i appreciate you taking some time today man it was fun recapping the game with you
0: yeah absolutely go uh go watch the chiefs and get that camera just spot on in the suite the whole time with taylor swift apparently (laughs) um man i'm running out of taylor swift song references
1: because the last two shows we've been having to talk about taylor swift i don't remember why it was brought up um two shows ago but then, obviously, the way Lane Kiffin was poking at Nick Saban, uh, Rodak and I had to lead off the last show with it. But here we are. I, we're just a Taylor Swift podcast
0: now, apparently. We'll, uh, we'll welcome sh- to Bama 247. Shout out Talty and Rodak for being being in the know and knowing Taylor Swift.
1: <laughs> they, uh, you, you, could, you could argue that they were definitely ready for it, um, and they were filling the blank space with a lot of good stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that's all we've got today, guys. We'll be back uh, later this week probably to break down the news of the week as well as preview Alabama-Mississippi State. Um, either going to be me and Rodak or me and Talti. We'll kind of play that one by ear and see you guys either Wednesday or Thursday. In the meantime though, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Guys, you can get a subscription for $1 a month to start and then just $10 a month thereafter for the best coverage of your favorite team. Take advantage of that deal, especially if you're an Alabama fan. For Brett, thank you so much for listening today. We will catch you guys down the road.
2: wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.